let's all stand together tonight. Sing this with me. your desire tonight that you want to see him we didn't come to see anybody else but the lord jesus tonight welcome to the 2023 youth services tonight and uh the banquets tomorrow night just looking so forward to what the lord has in store for us we want to welcome brother joe and sister jessica and the family tonight and looking forward i know god has got a barrel full for us if we'll just come empty and let him fill us up tonight amen we've got a couple requests uh i think sister veronica is still in the hospital and in a urgent situation so let's just remember her in our prayers tonight uh sister uh, stella tatum has had a hip replacement today so we'll remember her also brother dutch scott had the surgery on his hand um my wife's aunt sister ruth had um some kind of seizure or something in church the other night and uh, but she seems to be okay but just pray the lord will strengthen her and continue to remember my dad in your prayer he's having just a really difficult time out of his legs and from where you had the shingle, so just remember him tonight. And I'm sure there's many other requests. If you'd just make those known by an uplifted hand, God sees your heart. He knows why you raised your hand and what your desire is tonight. And if you come asking, you can receive. If you'll believe that all things are possible tonight. Amen. Brother Jonathan, come and lead us. in the Lord to come get your barrels filled up yes. and get blessed um, and I'm supposed to aggravate somebody we ain't going to name no names but make sure you have gas in your vehicle I don't want phone calls at 11.30 at night with people on the side of the road without gas just just saying so we love you, we're here to have a good time we're good to have a good time in the Lord let yourself freedom this morning, this evening all weekend, let yourself go this is your meetings all right? Don't worry about all them old folks in the back. All right? Let's just have a good time. Let's create an atmosphere. Let's worship him. God will come to heal us, okay? Let's just pray, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, what an awesome God we serve, Lord. Lord, in a precious time, Lord, that, Lord, everyone in the world's turning away. But, God, we got a youth group that's on fire for you, Lord. We got a group of young people, Lord, that besides puts everything aside, Lord, and says, Lord, I want to serve you tonight, Lord. Lord, all of the parties that are going on this weekend, Lord, all of the sin that's around the world, but Lord, we got a group here that wants to come worship you. 
Lord, I can feel your presence here this morning already, Lord. Lord, as you would come in this morning, I'm sure, and you would prepare a place knowing that we would be together tonight, Lord. Knowing that we would gather in here, that you would receive worship, Lord. That you would receive praise. Lord, come walk down the hearts of the youth, Lord, of all of us, Lord. Come be with us in a mighty way, Lord. Touch every aspect of this weekend, Lord. Lord, anything that's unclean, Lord, anything that's unlike you, Lord, we cast it from this building tonight, Lord. Any thought that is upon us, any besetting sin, Lord, anything that would lay in our hives that would hinder the move of you, Lord, we drive it from this place tonight, Lord, from each individual's heart, Lord, that we can accept a cleanness from you, Lord. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to touch these needs that we've laid before you, Lord. Lord, we still believe you're an on-time God. We still believe that you're a God of healing power, a God of saving power, Lord. Lord, would you manifest each one of these needs that was spoken, Lord, and each hand that was raised. Would you manifest to them, Lord, the healing power to touch them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, we ask you to come take control of this service, Lord. Lord, we're here tonight, Lord. Lord, we didn't come to be seen. We come, Lord Jesus, to hear from you. Touch my brother Mark, Lord, the musicians, Lord. Prepare our hearts. Touch each and every one of us that we would, Lord, stand out and worship. That we would sing with our voices. We would clap with our hands. We would raise our hands and long to be more like you, Lord. Touch your brother Joe as he would come, his family. Lord, strengthen them from their travels. Lord, bless them for their sacrifice. Strengthen my brother Joe, Lord, his voice, his mind, Lord. Encourage him, Lord. Lord, just speak through him in a vessel light, Lord. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In your lovely name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many are here to worship and to have a good time in the Lord? The world has their time, so tonight, this is your time. All you have to do is just give praises to Him. You know what a worshiper does? It doesn't matter if you're in the good times or the bad times. you got something to worship God for anyway. A worshiper is ready to worship God anytime. So how many are going to do it with me tonight and worship the Lord? Amen. Let's have a good time in the Lord tonight, if you will. Let's sing this. Well, I have good news to bring, and that is why I sing all of my joy with you I'll share, or I'm going to take a trip in the old gospel ship and to go sail through the air, oh, I'm going to take a trip in the old gospel ship, I am going. 
means ready to take a trip on the old gospel ship, going far beyond the skies. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Well, there's a light in the window and a table spread in splendor and someone standing by the open door I can see well I can see the crystal river oh I must be there forever Lord I've never Hey! 
have a need tonight, God is an on-time God. You may be trapped at the Red Sea and Pharaoh behind you, but God knows how to part the waters and let us go through on dry land tonight. I thought I was going to go through dry places there for a minute. I sung that about three keys too high, forgive me. Went in, done something like I thought I knew what I was doing, but I, I didn't, forgive me. Amen. Let's sing this. Well, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Oh, I, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Oh, be
many are feasting on the manna? That's why we're happy, because we're feasting on manna. Fresh manna from the Lord above. Amen. Sometimes it's hard for us as human beings to just stand still. The world is moving so quickly and so fast-paced. It's hard for us just to stop, as they say, and smell the coffee and smell the roses. But if we'll just stand still and let God move. That's hard for us to do, but we can do it tonight. Yeah. Just stand still. Let's sing that together, if you will. The Father has a plan, though it's hard to see it now. You feel you're walking all alone, but He is there, no doubt. When the storm around you rages And you're tossed to and fro When you're faced with life's decisions Not sure which way to go Stand still And let God move Standing still you've reached when song for you tonight. Brother Daniel, this is for you, buddy. How many know God is on the throne? He reigns forevermore. 
Amen. Sing this if you know it with us tonight, okay? Hallelujah. 
course we used to sing just drop a big bill in do it with a grin <laughs> tight wads never win and givers never lose so drop a big bill in tonight just give it to the lord we have a few specials tonight um sister jessica's daughter i, I lost her name i'm old you have to realize that okay but her and uh, sister joey i do remember your name are going to come, and Brother Joseph was here. I'm just going to pray for him tonight. So I want you all to come tonight, if you will, and sing for us. And then Sister Sherry and Sister Monica, Tawanda's got a song for us. How many come to have church and enjoy yourself? You're not in a hurry tonight. This only happens once a year. So we need to value this time that we have to give unto the Lord.
Jireh, our provider. He's all that we have need of Amen. in the service tonight. If you have a need, just place it in your heart before the Lord tonight and you watch before the end of the service tonight and see if God don't answer your prayer. If you'll just reach out to him, reach out and touch the Lord when he passes by, he'll hear you tonight. won't break Is there a mountain 
front of you and doubt says you'll never move and you wonder will God make a way tell me a time he's not been faithful tell me When you look back, you're 
can testify of that tonight. Yeah. Never a time or a moment that God's ever let us down. And we have time for another year. Yes, sir. Me and good brother Joe all the time tonight in the yeah. girl for Minister Chris. <laughs> He's promised me that, so I know what to look forward to. No, we we want God to have ample time, but brother David Crescent uh, got a song for us tonight. If you'd like to come. And, then we'll just get right on out of the way and have a minister of the word tonight. On the way here, just quickly, we uh, went to the hotel. It was the wrong hotel. And then we went to the Bright Hotel. And it turns out that about a month ago, I booked the wrong time. And we were... A week late, and then the guy behind the desk would not move forward with the date and said, you might not be able to get your money back at all. We cannot help you. And we back back in the car, and I could feel just spirits of doubt and deceit and just despair and bitterness. And you know what? I recognized something. I said, oh, wait. I'm free. I'm a Christian. I don't have to feel this way. We're about to go to a church service, so clearly it's the devil. So I said to everyone in the car, I said, guys, recognize this. This is the devil trying to work one over on us. But we're free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sing it with me if you know. You can lock me up in a prison and throw away the key. Take away the vision from these eyes. That now, now can see. Deprive me of the food I eat, and even bind my hands and feet. But as long as I know Jesus, then I will still. said that I could still go free. Tell me what kind of a man would reach down his hand and do this for me. Unworthy to live and not fit to kill. Yet a man on the cross had my name in his will and said that I could still go free. I never could quite understand why a king would leave his throne, take on the role of an earthly man and feel pain flesh, flesh and bone then to later trod that lonesome path that led to Calvary where those blood red stains 
happy that you're free tonight. And he that is made free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. Brother Joe, we want you to have your liberty tonight, brother. Just just preach. Preach, preach, preach. We want to hear the word of God tonight, don't we? That's why we're here is to hear the word of God. Amen. Let's stand together, if you will, as we invite Pastor Dana Busa, Brother Joe. We're so happy that he traveled all this distance and sacrificed to be with us. And his family, Sister Jessica, we feel so glad to have them with us tonight. All of you that are here, uh, Sister Kaylee's family, glad to have all of them. Um, the young people, I don't know all of you, so if you have a special, you just tell one of the deacons or somebody, let me know. That way I'll know uh, what to do with the services and who to ask. And So that would help me tremendously if you could do that. Let's sing this chorus tonight as we invite our pastor, if you will. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. Because you are my all. Sing this with me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy, oh, worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy.
Good evening. Welcome. Hallelujah. We welcome each and every one of you to our Memorial Weekend Revival Youth Banquet. And we are here to have a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. This is your meeting. You can make it what you want it to be. You can go ahead and take the brakes off and have a good time in the presence of God. Or you can just sit back and be a spectator. You have your choice. You're a free moral agent. But we're here to worship God tonight. This is not a formal meeting. This is a meeting. This is not that night. Okay? Maybe for another night. But this is not that night. Tonight is not the night for dignity. Tonight is the night for praise. And worship. And glory. And honor. And thanksgiving. And in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're just here to worship the Lord. I want you to just look around. Turn around where you are and just look at somebody right now. They ain't going to bite you. They ain't going to slap you. They're not going to step on your toes. I hope they don't. But they're going to dance with you tonight. They're going to shout with you tonight. Hallelujah. I don't know why you came to church tonight, but I came to glorify the name of the Lord. This is your meeting. This is your weekend. We want you to be free in the spirit. We want you to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. There's a good many activities and things planned for you, packed full through the whole weekend. We hope you can uh, stay the duration of the meetings with us. But I just want to welcome each and every one of you as the pastor. We've got our different brothers who are going to take their place soon and give you instructions and such like. But you're welcome here to worship Jesus. This is what this church is all about. Lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. We have a sign out here. It says, Exalting Christ. That's why we came to church. So God bless you. You make the meeting what you want it, okay? If you want it to be sad, then you can be sad. If you want it to be dry, then it can be dry. It's whatever you want to make it. But I think I got some folks in here. Hallelujah. That want the spirit to reign here tonight. How many, how many hands I've got up that want the spirit to move tonight? Praise God. God bless you. We love you. We're going to invite Brother Joe to come. We just want to tell you how much we love you. We've got brothers here on both sides and the back. If you need anything, please let us know. We have a lot, of, a lot of helpers around here to see that you're comfortable. And we're going to feed you so much this weekend. You're going to have to go on a, on a diet next week. Both spiritually, physically. Brother Jonathan is going to take you out tomorrow. And then they're going to run you on tracks and everything. Boy, I didn't get an amen on that one. <laughs> and we'll bring you back and fill you up. We love you. God bless you, young people. We just thank God for each and every one of you. As we sing this song now, we change the order of the song. Brother Joe is no, no uh, stranger to us. I call him the, bra- the black cadre dicks in the message. Amen. amen. He's going to shake you up. You better, you better don't let cat get your tongue tonight. Amen. He's going to come down that aisle and shake an amen out of you. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Can I get another amen? Amen. Is that loud enough? You want it louder? Okay. Can I get another amen? Amen. Glory. Now you're talking. Amen. Let's worship Jesus. Brother Joe, would you come? Give him a good round of applause. And he still speaks. I know.
still speaks. And I know his voice. And I know his voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that he still speaks? Better yet, aren't you thankful that you know his voice? Amen. Amen. Well, we're... We just send our greetings, uh, bring greetings from the church back home, and our pastor, Brother Tim. Certainly an honor to be here with you this weekend. Brother Joseph, thank you for the confidence you have in the gift to have us come and speak to the believers of Believer's Tabernacle. Uh, you know, when a man invites another man to come and take the entire weekend, and, <clears throat> you know, just, it's an honor that he's going to share his pulpit because he has confidence in the gift that what's going to come across is going to be beneficial to the people. So we're we're grateful to be here. We're honored to be here. Honored to be able to speak to you young people this weekend. As Brother Joseph said, this is your meeting. Don't rely on mama. Don't rely on daddy. Look away from the pastor. Look away from the deacons this weekend. I want you to create an atmosphere for yourself. I've been in prayer for months over these meetings since the last time I was here. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to do something special. And I believe he's going to start doing something special tonight. I got one person on my heart that I, Lord laid on my heart this weekend. I believe God's going to do something tonight for that individual. God doesn't do anything by mistake. He doesn't do anything by happenstance. So let's take full advantage of the weekend, right? Let's take full advantage of every service. Treat this service as your service, your opportunity. Amen. We'll have us... Uh, take your Bibles, turn to Luke 14 before we go to him in prayer. We just have you turn there. You can say amen when you get there. Honor to have my wife and my kids with me. When God calls a man, he calls his wife. And then he plants gifts inside that family and one can sing, one can play drums, one does this, one does that. So I'm honored to have them here and their gifts be able to be used of the Lord. You know, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean my kids are automatically going to be saved, automatically going to love the Lord and do the right things. You know, you have to cultivate that at home. And we have cultivated that. And my, my kids, thankfully, praise the Lord, they, they love the Lord. They love God's people. And they enjoy being around young people. So y'all of Tennessee and wherever you're from, welcome to Louisiana young people here this weekend. Let's have a good time. They were all nervous about coming. That's right. We're nothing to be nervous about. Let's go to him in prayer before we go to the word. Father, what a great privilege we have this place before us this evening, Lord, the burden of the word. And Lord, we just come tonight with a great expectation, Lord, the young people that are here, the different ones, Lord, moms and dads and aunts and uncles, grandparents. Lord, we want to do our part tonight to create an atmosphere for these young people. Lord, your prophet would tell us that every generation has to have their chance. And Lord, I believe you laid it on the pastor's heart and the church's heart to give the young people of this hour the chance at their own revival. And I'm asking, Father, today that you would take my lips of clay, God, and you would use them for your glory tonight. And that you would speak, Lord, and not only speak through these lips of clay, but God, you would anoint the ears of the hearer. So, Lord, we commit this service tonight. We commit the remainder of the weekend into your hands. God, I ask that you'd move tonight. Lord, you've laid on my heart a, a special individual. And I believe, Lord, you're going to go after that individual tonight. But I believe there's more, Father. Lord, it's not going to limit you to one tonight. However you want to move, Lord, I'm asking that you move. And we just give you the honor and the glory. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. If we turn to Luke 14, we're going to start at verse 16. Brother Sam, if you could bring me that little damper, I think I'm popping too much. Luke 14 and verse 16, and he said unto him, a certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. And if you look at this in the King James, and sometimes it may be bolded just above it, this is the parable of a great banquet. Isn't God just amazing how months in advance he just laid this on my heart for your banquet? People say, well, that's tomorrow night, but it starts tonight. Just tomorrow night, we're going to be feasting on natural food. Tonight, we can start feeding on spiritual food and the heavenly manna. But he says now, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come. Notice the call is always to come. Lord is never going to push you away. He's going to do everything he can to pull you into his presence, to call you into his presence, to say come. And the Bible says that the spirit and the bride are saying come. Come. No matter where you are, where you've been, what you've done, come tonight. Come to him. Come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must... Needs to go see about it. I pray they have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go prove them. I pray they have me excused. And another, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And you brothers can say amen to that, you that are married. Some of you young people, you'll get there one day. But I've married a wife, and I cannot come. So the servant came, and he showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to him, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes in the city, and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. God's got a purpose to fill his house. He's got a dinner plate set for every individual. and There will not be a spot missing. I trust that your name is there this weekend. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidding or bidden shall taste of my supper. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. Brother Sam, could you give me that little piece? What I want to speak to you tonight on, and I believe the Lord kind of laid this on my heart. <clears throat> Actually, last time I was here, back in January, when Brother Joseph had asked me to take these meetings this weekend, immediately the Lord put a thought on my heart. And I want to speak to you tonight on missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. You know, just give me just... That part was free. Amen. So this word opportunity, how many is in a rush tonight? All right, because I know some of you young people, you'll be up to 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And you that are staying at the Holiday Inn Express, don't come knocking on my door. 
Stay downstairs, upstairs, be off on the second floor. I'm not telling you what room we're in, but don't come knocking. Don't be loud and noisy. So we can stay up to 2 o'clock in the morning playing and giggling and laughing and having a good time. Certainly we can spend a few hours tonight in his presence. Notice, I'm speaking to you tonight on missed opportunities. This word opportunity is an appropriate or favorable time or occasion. A situation or condition favorable favorable for attainment of a goal. A good position, chance, or prospect as for advancement or success. Turn me down just a tad bit if you would. So we find here where the great parable, we're at a, at a great banquet, and we're at a banquet this weekend, and each of you here tonight, you've come from many miles, some of you come from hours away to be a part, to be a part of this banquet, to come and to, to fellowship with these young people, and to have that opportunity that's been afforded to us this weekend. I say praise the Lord that, you know, the opportunities are being made for our young people to have that fresh revival, to have that moving of the Spirit, and let me just tell you that what you received this weekend may be the greatest opportunity that you will ever receive. We find here in Luke that they were given this opportunity, and he goes out, and one man begins to say, well, you know what? I got a piece of ground. You know what? I got a new piece of ground, and you know, and I got to go see about it. Now, what man in his right mind buys a piece of ground that he ain't already looked at? It's an excuse. Here it is, you know, you know, especially he's going to go at evening time. Now, right now is evening time. It's starting to get low, and, and it's starting to get dark, and now he's making an excuse. It's evening time. I got to go. I bought this piece of ground. Brother Joe, you just don't understand. It, it cost me a lot of money. I got to go. I know you're preaching a youth meeting tonight, but you know what? I got other things to do. I got to go see about this. I got a big investment involved here, and I'm going to go look at it. Then we finally come to the next one. Notice to call one out to three of them, and immediately they begin to make an excuse of why they couldn't attend. One says, I got five yoke of oxen. What moron in his right mind buys five yoke of oxen, and he ain't even tried them out yet? That's a bad investment. That's a bad business decision. He could have had five lame oxen. But now at the evening time, he comes. He says, you know what? I got to go see about these oxen. I got to make sure they can pull the plow. At evening time, you're going to see if they're going to pull the plow. You should have determined that this morning. Now the next one, if there was any of them that should have a justifiable excuse, should be the one that says, you know what? I got a brand new wife. Man, she's got me doing honeydews here and honeydews there and honeydews here. Brother Joe, you don't understand. I got to get home. She's got the, she's got the police after me right now because I got to get something done. On, Notice one by one by one, they begin to make an excuse why they couldn't attend this great banquet. Notice the opportunity that was placed before them. Now, none of these things were sinful. None of them were unrighteous. But they exalted these things above coming to the banquet. See, they were presented with a great opportunity to feast. Now, back to the the man who married a woman. What young couple doesn't want a free meal? I mean, how many of you are married here tonight? How many remember when you first got married? Man, it was tough times, wasn't it? Tough plowing. Man, somebody invite you over for a meal? Hallelujah! Yeah, we coming. 
We're going to stop, drop, and roll and do whatever we can to be a part and to come to that meal. And this man's like, nope, I got a wife. I got a wife. I, I, I can't make it. And we find none of these things were wrong per se, but they, they placed them above the call to come. They placed them. They felt like what they had, their possession, their desires, their needs, they placed it higher than the master's call to come and partake of a feast. They had an opportunity, which is you have been given tonight, the same opportunity to come into the feast, to come tonight. And let me just warn you, brother and sister, young people, don't place your desires. Don't place the things that in this world above the things of God. Well, Brother Joe, i got to go to college. Brother Joe, I want to be, be this great ball star. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Don't place those things above the call of God. God has given you an opportunity, young person, to come into his presence, to receive this word, to have a life-changing experience. Don't you miss your opportunity. Is that all right tonight? So they felt that their purchases, their possessions outweighed that of the invitation that was given. They placed more importance on substance than they did to come and die. More importance on their desires. And each one differs from the other one. But admittedly, all three begin to make an excuse. Now, some of you here tonight have friends that you know should be here. Because the invitation, Brother Joseph, was given in months in advance. But it's a Friday night. We We got a whole weekend of meetings. Big deal if I miss one. That one may be your opportunity. That one may be your opportunity. That one could be your night. And I know for somebody here tonight, it is their opportunity. See, they begin to make excuses. Brother Bam will tell us, is in your life, is your life worthy of the gospel? He said, Look, when God sent Noah his servant, he made a way of an escape for all the people who wanted to be saved. But the people only laughed and scorned at Noah. But God made a way, but they had an excuse. It wasn't according to their modern thinking, see. It wasn't the way they wanted it. So they made an excuse in the days of Noah. They made an excuse in the days of Moses. They made an excuse in the days of Elijah. And they made excuses in the days of Christ. And they're making excuses today. Notice he's speaking directly to the ears of the ones that was called to the feast. And he says, now that would also apply to, to men today, the church, who has been bidden to come to the feast, and they won't do it. Amen. They won't come. A spiritual feast of the Lord, and, and they won't do it. They don't want to do it. They've got other things to do, and they find an excuse. Amen. You know, if I was a young person, I'd be finding every excuse why I can. I'd be finding an excuse to why I can. But Brother Brown will tell us now, he says, now listen. We see God gives a man an invitation to do something or to receive the invitation that he's given him. And he returns it or turns it down. He says, there's nothing left after mercy is spurned but judgment. Now, this message is not going to be a hoot and holler, hallelujah, maybe that type of message. Because the Lord laid this on my heart because we're dealing with young people, and this is your opportunity. 
And I'm going to give every young man, every young woman, oh, whatever it is tonight, your opportunity to have your heart checked. I don't care how long you've been in the message. I don't care when the last time you got an experience. You may have came to Louisiana camp and God jumped all over you and you got something, a touch from the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, tonight is your night. Tonight is your moment. You don't have to just rest your whole experience on Louisiana camp, Oklahoma camp, that camp, next year's camp. You can have your up-to-date experience tonight. God has given you an opportunity to do what? To receive, to come and dine, to feast on the things of God. He says, now, if you step over the boundaries of mercy, then there's only one thing left. Notice, one thing. You don't have any options. There's only one thing left, and that is judgment. And we find that man has done that. In all the ages, this happened in most every age in the Bible. He says, now, we're being invited tonight. You here tonight. How many of you are here? That should have been 100% participation. Lord, have mercy. I'm from Louisiana, but we can do better than that. How many of you are here tonight? Some of you are like, I checked out a long time ago. He says, but we're invited tonight to shape our character to his. By his grace, we are invited. Think of it. Become characters like his. If we're ready to lay our character down and the molding that we have. Notice then he goes in. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. False accusers, incontinent, despisers, those that are good, trying to do right, have a form of godliness. So you're thinking, oh, hey, we're abiding by the do's and don'ts of the message. Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I do this, and I do this. And, you know, we got a checkbook of everything that we're doing right and everything that we're not doing that we're supposed to be not doing. Look, church, it's got to be more than just a box of checks that we're checking off and looking at a code of conduct. I believe we should be living according to the Word of God. But don't let it be just something that you have to make yourself do. We're given an invitation tonight to have our character, to have our nature, to have our lives molded into the image of a living God. God didn't walk around with a box and checking this off and checking that off. He was the Word, and He's coming this hour for the Word. To give you your opportunity to become what he is. See, notice now we have. He says when we let his character be in us. When we have become sons by having the mind of Christ. Which is his character. Which your mind makes your character. So let the mind that was in Christ be also in you. Not the mind in the preacher. Not the mind of the deacon. Not the mind of mama and daddy. Not the mind of their favorite evangelist. But the mind of Christ. You know, sometimes you've got to separate from your own family to have the mind of Christ. Sometimes you've got to have enough backbone about your young person that you've got to realize maybe mom and daddy ain't where they need to be. But you know, because why God's dealing with you, giving you your opportunity, you got to have the mind of Christ to stand firm on this word and say, I'm not backing up. I'm not giving in. I'm standing pat on this word. You can go this way. You can go that way. But I'm going to remain with the word of the hour. But we find we've been given, we've been given opportunities. How many of you ever had a great opportunity and you missed it? Some of you are like, I don't know. Did I miss it? Did I not? This ain't picking rose petals. Does she love me? Does she love me not? You either know you did or didn't. We've all had opportunities come our way and we missed them. Some that we wish we could get back. 
but you never get that opportunity again. You know, many years ago, I was in healthcare, and well, not many years ago, just a few years ago, I was in healthcare. I had a great opportunity to come right here in Nashville to work at the corporate office to make ungodly money. I could have came to this church. I had that opportunity, but the Lord led us to stay home, stay there in Louisiana because He was cultivating something. So there's many great opportunities that's going to lay before you. But a lot of times we're afraid. Okay, now I'm, on, I'm touching home, right? We're afraid to do what? Step out. You know, when I left the hospital, I was afraid to step out. I've done it for 24 years. I didn't know what else I was going to do. Of course, I was going to be a full-time evangelist. But yet, the unknown, the uncertainty. Would the doors be open? Would I have the opportunity? How will I feed my family? How will we do this? How? It's always all that fear of the unknown, the, the worry. And the word afraid here means worry that something undesirable will occur or be done. Unwilling or reluctant to do something for fear of the consequences. So we're fear of failure. You brothers better throw your hands up. Fear of failure, fear of failing and not being able to provide for your wife. Look at your wife. That beautiful creature God gave you. Look at them kids of yours. Those beautiful little, beautiful little kids that God gave you. You look at that and you don't want to fail. You don't want to be a failure in their eyes. And so Satan begins to come down on you. With this fear of failure. Garstein put it like this. He says, there's no dishonor in losing the race. There's only honor or dishonor in not racing. There's no honor in losing the race. There's no dishonor, excuse me, in losing the race. There's no dishonor in serving the Lord. Well, what if I fall? Big deal. Get up. There's not an adult here this evening. There's not a grandparent. There's not a mom or dad. But what hadn't failed, but I'm here to tell you, you can't fall far enough. But what the loving hand of Almighty God can reach down and pick you back. Don't be afraid of failing. Failure is part of the Christian walk. Notice we're afraid of being ridiculed. Well, look at you, holy roller. Well, hallelujah, I'm rolling. Yeah, I ain't dead. You know, I may be old, crippled and crazy, but praise God, I still got a step. Come on now, afraid of, afraid of not being successful, afraid that you won't have the abilities. Notice, well, you know, maybe I just don't have it all together. There ain't nobody in this room tonight that has it all together. I know we look like we do. Come out here, toting her Bible right, got her jacket on, looking all good and stuff, you know. Y'all supposed to say amen to that. My wife at least give me an amen, honey. Mercy, I'm begging for amens tonight. I gave you an opportunity, Jessica. Brother Pad, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me, man. My own family won't help me. No, we, we, we know we, we personify that we got it all together. But we don't. We don't. We're just like you. We're just older. We're just older. You know, we're afraid to, that we're thinking we're not quite ready. Or we're afraid of the unknown. 
We're stepping out of our comfort zone. You know, Michael Jordan once said, he goes, you have to fail in order to succeed. Now, how many's ever heard of the name Michael Jordan? Okay, good. Praise God, I'm in America. Well, Michael Jordan. Now, there's a debate going on whether he's the goat or not. Now, not the mad goat, but the greatest of all time. Because I know some of you blondes be like, he ain't no goat, he's a man. But there's a debate, and yet Michael Jordan will say, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again, and that's why I succeed. I'm going to tell you, young person, you're going to fail over and over and over again. But what is it? You got one more opportunity, one more opportunity, one more opportunity to rise up and learn from your failures and be successful. Now, I'm not talking about successful and worldly things. I'm talking about overcoming. I'm talking about serving God. I'm talking about not letting your failures define who you are. Because God's word is what's going to define you tonight. Now, notice, there are going to be opportunities that are going to be handed to you. Opportunities for great success. Lots of money. Good looking man. Tall, dark, and handsome. Andrew Glover in the flesh. <laughs> Not tonight. You got short, stumpy, and cute behind the pulpit tonight. <laughs> but we're going to make the best of it. So y'all just get behind me. But we're gonna, you're going to be given great opportunities. And the Bible says in Luke 11, If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to, good give, or how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So we got great opportunities out in the world. You're living in a, a, a metro complex right here. Everything you want in the greater Nashville area. He said, well, brother, I'm not too sure about that. Come home with me for a weekend. You got everything you want. You don't have to go very far to have your, your whistle wet around here. You got it. You want trouble? Trouble's over there. You want to serve God? You can serve God. Amen. You want a good place to eat? My goodness. He's right. He's going to fatten you up. <laughs> but if, if, if we as earthly fathers and earthly people can... We have great opportunities for our young people. What about the opportunities God gives you? Some of you went to Oklahoma camp. Raise your hand. What an opportunity. Come on. Don't be afraid to raise your hand if you went there. Raise it up high. Man, didn't we have a good time? Come on. Y'all got to be sounding boards for Oklahoma. Oklahoma was great. Then you come to Louisiana camp. How many made it to Louisiana camp? Louisiana camp was great. 
So what am I saying? God's giving you opportunity after opportunity, not just a dead camp meeting, but a camp meeting where your heart can be turned, your life can be touched, and you can meet God personally. And God laid it on a pastor's heart this weekend, months in advance, for one opportunity so that you tonight can have your chance at the Word of God, your chance at your revival, not mama's revival, not daddy's revival, not the preacher's revival, but your own personal revival where you can meet God for yourself. Well, you can drive that state down once and for all. Let me tell you, some of you young people need to drive the state down. Some of you need to quit going, drifting through life and just, oh, well, what will be, will be. I got all the time in the world. You don't have all the time in the world. What you got is tonight. You got this opportunity tonight to make your calling and your election sure. Don't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. And I'm not talking about Garth Brooks. But tomorrow may never come. Let me just tell you, I preached my first banquet in Georgia. My first youth banquet I preached. Young girl, probably about 13 or 14, came to the altar Sunday morning. The first one there. Monday night, I got a call. She was dead. A gun accident. Just that moment. What an opportunity she had. What if she would have failed to seize that opportunity? What if you fail to seize that opportunity? So we find now history, if you look at history, I've ever, how many of you have ever heard of the word Atari? Now you're showing your age. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Come on, old folks. Raise your hand, that little joystick and that red button. You pop that little joystick apart. You got a clear little button right there, a little joystick. Yeah, we know Atari, right? Well, so Nolan Bushnell, he was the man that founded Atari. It was once the world's leading computer gaming system. Boy, it's so outdated today. And he, was, he hired Steve Jobs. How many of you ever heard of Steve Jobs? See, I got all night, so y'all might as well take your time. Buckle up. We're going to be here for a moment. So he hired Steve Jobs in the 1970s. Well, in 1976, Steve Jobs left it and he set up Apple Computers. And he offered Nolan one-third share of the company for $50,000. I would jump at that opportunity today. But Nolan turned it down, something that he admittedly regrets to this day. And Atari is no longer... A household name. How many of you have ever heard of Apple? Some of you probably got your little Apple phones with you. Your iPads, your computers, MacBook, MacBook Pro, Mac Mini, Mac Desktop Mac, iMac, She Mac, We Mac, everybody's Macking. You know, we go in my house, we got so many Macs, I'm telling you, we'd have a Mac attack. And we find that Apple computers now is worth $2.79 trillion. Did you hear that? That's more than a million. That's more than a billion. That's trillion. $2.8 trillion. What a missed opportunity. This man could have been the cat's meow. But he's not. Tari's washed up. You never hear about it. We find that Kodak. Ever heard of Kodak camera? That Kodak moment? Kodak, man, they were the, they were, they were the cat's meow, right? You ever heard that phrase, young people? 
Okay, good. You're not young. Well, that's an old folks term. You'll get it later. We'll explain it to you maybe tomorrow during activities. But Eastman Kodak, they used to be the world's leader in cameras, and they were renowned for their innovation. In 1976, they had 90% share of the American market of cameras and film and film equipment and photographic services and things of that nature. And we find that in the 1990s, though, the digital imaging technology was beginning to become popular. And there was an engineer that worked for Kodak, Steve Sawson. He engineered the first digital camera. But Kodak has so much money into their film, their film technology and all of that, that they suppressed his technology. They suppressed it for years and years and years. And until 19 or 2005, they released their first Wi-Fi camera, which allowed the people to send email pictures to others. And so they didn't develop. They didn't work on their opportunity. They didn't, they didn't work on uh, taking advantage of it. But yet their competitors caught on. And then by 2013, Kodak had to file for bankruptcy because they failed to seize an opportunity. Ever heard of Ross Perot? Some of you old people again. There's a lot of old people here tonight. <laughs> Ross Perot took a thousand dollar investment in 1962. And by 1979, he was a well-known leader in the computer industry whose business was worth over a billion dollars. From one thousand dollars. Man. So what he did, he began to go around trying to find other small IT firms that he could buy out. You ever heard of Microsoft? So he went to a 23-year-old Bill Gates and said, you know what? I want to buy your company. Bill Gates, 23 years old, cocky, young. This was his technology. He said, if you want to buy it, I'll tell you what. You can't buy it, but you can have the majority of the shares for 40 to $60 million. Perot was an old man. He said, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. In a 1992 interview with the Seattle Times, he said this is one of the biggest mistakes he ever made by not buying into it. And now Microsoft is a world-known company. World-known. So you might be asking yourself, Brother Joe, what does this even matter? Because opportunities are going to be given to you. Whether you're making hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars, what does it all matter? You're being granted the greatest opportunity tonight. The greatest opportunity tonight is to be able to come to the banquet. And I'm not talking about the one that's going to be held downstairs tomorrow night, but the banquet. Where there's a heavenly host gathered around. You're going to look and you're going to see men and women from all the previous ages. And you're going to rub shoulders with Paul. Shamgar's going to come up there and he's going to have his ox gold in his hand. How did you make it? How did you come out of Laodicea? Man, with the transgender movement, the homosexual movement, and all these laws being passed. And my goodness, not only did America woke up, but the whole world woke up. How did you come out of it? Because they were some guy, some man. He had a young preacher come in one night, and he gave me my opportunity. He gave me my chance. He gave me the word, and I took it. Oh, hallelujah. Take that opportunity tonight. Take that word tonight and invest. Invest in it. Invest your whole life into this word. You may never make millions, but what does it matter? It's all going to burn one day. 
Let me tell you, if you want it so bad, I'll give you the keys to my car. I'll give you the keys to my house. I'll give you everything but my wife and kids because you know what? I ain't going to need it where I'm going. And I trust where you're going, you're not going to need it either. But we, sometimes we let fear, we let anger, we let frustrations, we let complexes, we let our pride, we let the influence of others sway us. Fear, anger, and frustrations cloud our vision. Complexes. How many of you ever, don't raise your hand. Because I saw a bunch of you mamas going. You know when you was having them kids, you had complexes. Complexes overwhelm our view of things. And we start believing the devil's lie. Maybe I'm not a good mama. Maybe I'm not a good Christian. Maybe I'm not a good son of God or daughter of God. Maybe the devil's right. Pride. I remember dealt with pride. Oh, this is for the men. I know you sisters ain't so prideful. Boy, them young boys, though. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me like that. Got your little pride swag. Can't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. But you all prideful. Ain't nobody going to know you can't. No, sir, I'm Mr. Bad Boy. Walking up in there strutting in the house of God like you something. And we let pride begin to sway us, thinking we're something. Oh, I can't go to the altar. No, sir. Can't no way. I'm supposed to be Mr. Bad Stuff. Yeah, you stay like you are. You're going to be bad stuff. Then we let influence. Oh, well, you know, I mean, come on, look at my neighbor. I got this hot chick next to me. I can't go up there. Oh, I'm on your level. That's okay. Yeah, well, you know what? Influence. Then we let, maybe we, get, we got a job out in the world, and we let, maybe we let the worldly influence influence us. Let's think about it. Maybe you. Put a little bit of paint on those nails, and you know maybe it's just to kind of help them because they're brittle. Come on, come on. We got to put some tips on them because you know what? They brittle. Right. I mean, God gave me these nails. I got to take care of them. <laughs> put a little on there, and next thing you know, it's it's more than just nail polish. Because right. it's influence, and we're influenced. Young people, you're influenced. I remember when I was in ninth grade. I gave my heart to the Lord in ninth grade, went to a Pentecostal church. I wanted to serve God. Had all the ambition, all the desires. But you know what? I was influenced. Peer pressure. Because see what? I was something in football, or at least I thought I was. I was pretty good for five foot six, you know, a buck and two dollars. I used to be a pretty fat little fella. Had a mean temper, so it worked out of my advantage for football. You know, I was a lineman, so I just chew their ankles off. You get down low, you ain't going to hit them high. Ain't no, hey, I can't jump up and hit you. I'm going to hit you low. So I thought I was something, but I had all this. I was, you know, you, you know how it is. You, you're, you're who's who, and you're thinking you something in the school, and you got friends all around, and everybody likes to have you around. You're the life of the party. And I wanted to serve God when I was in ninth grade. But because of the influence of all my peers, I began to drift away. I never made a full commitment. I was kind of halfway in. Yeah, I go to church, and that was about it. I went to church. But because I didn't make a full commitment, I didn't take advantage of the full opportunity that was afforded to me, I eventually stepped away. And it wasn't again until I was in my 
junior, senior year in college that God began to move on my heart again. Look at all that time I left or I lost because I failed to seize an opportunity. Brother Bam says, now as a child, you grow into a living soul at the age of your choice. You hear the gospel in some way, and something way down deep inside tells you to receive Christ. And you say, well, I'm too young. I'll wait a little longer. Oh, I hope some of you are not saying that tonight. God is dealing with you, and you say, oh, I'm just, come on, Brother Joe, I'm only 13. Or I'm only nine. Which I was preaching in Oklahoma many years ago. My nine-year-old daughter, Lauren, who's not with us tonight. This is 11 years ago. She came to the altar under her daddy's preaching. And snotting and crying. And she got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost in that service. So don't make excuses because your kids are five, six, seven, eight years old. They are hearing the same word that you're hearing. Don't despise the days of small things. Allow the Lord to move. Cultivate the atmosphere. Notice, he says, that's where we make our first mistake right there. For you grieve this person inside. God's not going to judge you by this man up here, your intellect. He's going to judge you by your soul. And like I said, that first banquet I ever preached, a young girl gave her heart to the Lord on Sunday morning. Only to turn around Monday evening and get a phone call saying that she was killed by a gun accident. See, you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised till you even make it home. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you this is your opportunity. See, the only, Brother Brown says, the only thing that kept me from being saved when I was 12 years old because a spirit hung over me and the devil saying, wait a little longer. Oh, come on. Wait a little longer. I mean, look at you. You're young. Look at them muscles. Got a smile on your face now, huh? Yeah. I got them covered up, Brother Joe. Don't say nothing. I got them all covered up. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a little, little bit longer. Look, man, there's a whole world out there waiting. You're living in Nashville. Man, just go and soak some oats for a little while. Just go out there and tat yourself up. It's called art anyway, right? Go out there and, and, and get some girl knocked up. Now, I know that's not proper terminology, but that's what's going on in our society. Well, then, then try to bring that young girl in, in, into church now because you know better. And then you go out there and you do these ungodly acts and you sow these ungodly seeds. And then you come back and you think, well, it's going to be okay now. You're given an opportunity now. Yep. Yeah. He says, I got with the wrong crowd. And that spirit hovered over you and kept hanging over you. You wanted to do right. He says, there's not a man that's got in his right mind but wants to do right. But there's something that won't let you do right. Is that right? He said, that's the devil. Notice, he wanted to serve the Lord at 12 years old. But a spirit hung over him. Tell him, wait a little longer. He goes, and that's the reason you wasn't saved when you become to the age of accountability. A spirit, you got it around the wrong. He said, well, Brother Joe, I got this all figured out. Well, by your fruits, 
you should see them. You can see that they're not where they need to be. You can understand that they're listening to the wrong music. The influence of all that is just overshadowing them. But yet there's something pulling, Brother Joseph. There's something saying, come. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here tonight. Come. I got a banquet prepared. Oh, my. I got a banquet prepared for my children. Don't worry. Don't worry about what the world's going to offer you. The world can't give you anything but what I can't give you better. So let's go into, can we go into this for a little bit this evening? Brother Bram says now, each generation, what does it get? It's opportunity at the fresh word of God. How many of your generation tonight? It's on. Boy, y'all just scared me. I'm going to have to do that one again. How many is a generation tonight? Okay, we're still not 100%, but we're much better than we were the first time. We got a gen- How many grandparents we got in here? Praise God. Please, grandparents, throw your hands up high. So that's a generation. How many mamas and daddies? Grandparents, you keep your hands down. That's another generation. How many young people? That's another generation. See, grandparents, you had your opportunity. Mama, daddy, you had your opportunity. Young person, you're getting your opportunity. So every generation gets their chance at their, at their opportunity, at the fresh word of God. He says, like Luther under justification, Wesley under sanctification, the Pentecostal move under the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, each one gets its chance. And today, we have a pastor. We have a church that has given you your opportunity at the fresh word. This weekend is dedicated to you. Now, some of you probably made it up in your mind already. I won't be back. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. Take advantage of the opportunity. You may say that coming in, but if you just allow the Spirit of God to move in your heart tonight and settle that desire that you've been having, longing to really be a son and daughter of God. Brother Bram said there's not a man in his right mind but what he wants to serve God. I mean, even me, and never I didn't grow up in the message. I didn't even grow up in a Christian home. But yet God deposited something on the inside of me. My parents did drugs. We were tossed about as young kids. My parents, my dad stole us, me and my brother, away from my mom. I got a sister too, but he stole us for months that we didn't get to see our mom. And you know, every little boy, I mean, yeah, we love our dads, but we got to have your mama. Amen. We mama's boys, right? Yeah, yeah, can't nobody care for you like mama cares for you. And yet my dad stole us. From my mom because they were in a custody battle because my parents divorced when I was two years old. And we find these things, and, and yet, all through life, there's a struggle. But there was always a desire, Brother Pat, in my heart to serve God. I didn't know why it was there, 
My parents didn't display it. It wasn't preached to me, but it was there. And some of you right now, God is dealing with you because it's there. It's there. And if I was to make an altar call right now, you'd be the first one to this altar because it's there. But we're not done yet. I'm not even halfway through, so just hang on tight. See, God is here to give you an opportunity to surrender your life once and Notice, to draw closer to Him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive deliverance, to have that healing touch, to have your moment that you can drive that stake down and say, at 2023, Believer's Tabernacle Youth Meeting, Youth Banquet, that weekend, I finally met God. It wasn't the shouting. It wasn't the earthquake. It wasn't the storm. But it was that still, small voice that kept saying, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. You may not get one tomorrow. You may not get one next week. You may not get one next year. This may be the last one. This is your opportunity. What are you going to do with it? So each generation now has their chance at a revival. Your opportunity. Your opportunity for a revival. Not just a revival, but your revival. Amen. And some of you parents, you need to have a fresh revival. Amen. So let's just throw that out there, blanket. A lot of times we're like, well, we want to see our children this. We want, well, won't we get on revival fires as well? Amen. Don't let it be all on the preachers, all on the deacons, all on the officials of the church. You come in here and you create the atmosphere so the revival fires can jump. You know, fire is contagious. You ever seen a grass fire? It little starts with a little flame, and all of a sudden the wind will pick up of the Holy Spirit and begin to blow that little flame, and all of a sudden that little flame catches off, and it's got a whole field on fire. When I was about nine years old, this is a story, and this is not in my notes, but this is funny, 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 funny. Me and my brother, we, we were mischievous. He's older than me by one year. So we're at the levee in Mississippi. I grew up in Mississippi. Y'all don't hold that against me. You ever seen hay bales? You ever seen a levee? Okay, well, if you didn't, go Google it. So there's these hay bales on the levee. Brother Pat, we got some fireworks. We thought we was going to be smart. Stuck a little firework in the hay bale, Brother Joseph, lit it, pop, we walked away. About 30 minutes later, we hear fire trucks. Woo, woo. We done caught the entire levee on fire. My grandmother, she, she's like, she always had a birdie. Little birdie told me y'all did that. I'm like, oh, stupid birdie. I'm going to kill that thing if I ever find it. <laughs> we could never get out of trouble. That little birdie knew everything we did. But that little firework in a hay bale caught the entire levee on fire. So what I'm telling you is create an atmosphere. Don't just wait to tr- create it at home. I understand there's times that you, the atmosphere ain't right at home. And you got to work at it. Come on, Mom and Daddy. Y'all don't look at me like a, uh, yeah, you know it's the truth. I know you don't want to say amen too loud right now because, you know, she's going to be nudging you and all that. But, hey, it's the truth anyway. But I want you to have your opportunity, young person, to have your revival. I don't care what your neighbor's doing or not doing. This is about you tonight. You as an individual. See, this weekend is dedicated to you. 
We just had our, our, youth, our youth camp back just a couple of weeks ago, or a month ago, I believe it was, back in April, Easter. And there was a church. There was a couple of people came from that church. And they got on fire. They went back. And man, the ministry got on fire for God. And this church is not known for being emotional. Good church. They pull our priest there. It's great. It ain't here, but it's great. Yeah, y'all better say glory. I mean, come on. Y'all acting like the church I used to preach at over there. No, I'm kidding. This is different. We got time for that later on this week. I'm saving myself for Sunday and, and tomorrow. So they go back and the power of God drops down in that church. I mean, I'll tell you what, like nothing. So I come behind the next meeting, the next weekend after the power of God hit that church. They had a four-hour Sunday night service. So I come back the next Sunday and I preach. There's people jumping in the spirit, dancing in the aisle in the first service. At the end of the second service, they baptized 28 people. And four more got baptized on Wednesday following that was on the stream that couldn't make it to church. What am I telling you? It's contagious. It's contagious. They went to camp. Look, these are adults going to camp, but they got something at camp and took it back home. And now that church is on fire. Not that it was not on fire, but now they let the, the, the feeling and the emotion that church is in revival. And I'm telling you, young person, you can have your own personal revival. It ain't based on your neighbor. It ain't based on your church. It ain't based on mama. It ain't based on daddy. It ain't based on the preacher. It's based on you and your God. If God has given you the opportunity to serve, that's should excite you tonight. I got an opportunity to serve God. That should put revival fire in your heart tonight. I've been called by Almighty God. I've been chosen for this hour. I've been anointed for this call. I say, glory to God tonight. God, you're working on the scene. And this weekend is dedicated to you. The parents are just here to fill up you. No, you're not. You better help me create an atmosphere. See, this is your opportunity to get what you've been longing for. You say, well, you're kind of short. You're kind of bald. You ain't as cute as you said you was. Thank you, Sister Shirley. I'll take it. My my own wife didn't even amen that one. But this is your opportunity. It may be an unexpected place. Through an unexpected messenger in an unexpected time. But that's when God shows up. It may not be for nobody else, but it could be for you tonight. Let me keep going. Notice now you have an opportunity. It's a fresh word. Not something yesterday, Paul's day, Moses' day, not even in William Branham's day, but your day. Your moment. Your opportunity. And I say, let's take advantage. Of the opportunity. Let's take advantage of the new birth. What is the new birth, Brother Joe? The new birth is a personal, personal revelation of Jesus Christ to yourself. Personally to you. Notice, it's not you and Brother Joseph's revelation. It's your revelation. You and Brother Jonathan's revelation. Husband, it's not even you and your wife's revelation. It's your revelation. That he's personal to me. You know, Brother Bram said, if my wife, if my kids, if my family, if they quit serving the Lord, I'm going on anyway. 
Because it's a personal revelation. You say, well, why are you saying this, Brother Joe? Because you young people have got to have that kind of experience. Because there's going to be men that disappoint you. There's going to be people that disappoint you. But you've got to know that you met God. And no matter the disappointments, no matter the discouragements, no matter those that hurt you, that those that may leave and walk away from this message, you've got to know that you met the God of Elijah. And there's a work that's been done on the inside because you seized your opportunity for the word. Now, let's look here in Matthew 16. This okay tonight. Matthew 16. And when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I think that question is going to come to each and every individual here tonight. And they said, Some say, Well, thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and he said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So many of you have heard, well, this one said this. And this one has said this. Brother Joe, you're saying this. Well, Brother Joseph says this. Brother Jonathan says this. Mama says this. Daddy says this. But who do you say? Young person, it's you tonight. See, he's not coming back for a group, though he is, but he starts with the individual. So he says, now, whom do you say that I am? You got to have a response to the question. Well, mama said, no, it's not based on mama. Well, my dad's a deacon. And, and, you know, and he studied. He's apt to teach. And so dad says he's this. Well, it's about you tonight. And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And so I ask you tonight, young person, it has to become personal. He has to become personal. He has to become intimate. There's not a day that goes by that when I don't wake up in the morning and I sit down and I read my Bible and pray. Because there's a relationship. And that's what he's looking for tonight is a personal relationship with you. He's got it with your parents. He's got it with the preachers. He's got it with your favorite preachers. But he wants that same personal relationship with you that's here tonight, see? Well, my friends say this. You know what? My friends say this. has got to be true. Sometimes that's how we feel, right? Well, if I can get a buddy, I'll go with it. Oh. I just, everybody wants a friend. So if Susie Jack, that's a stupid name, but whatever. If Susie Jack, if she, if she agrees, and I'm going to come down that altar, and if Susie goes, I'm going to go. If Jack goes, I'm going to go. Jack may not come back. And Jill broke her heel or, or the crown or whatever she did coming down. You know, this ain't no fairy tale. This ain't no nursery rhyme. 
says, well, you've got to meet God. See, this is to the individual with a personal vindication of himself, expressing himself, the living word that's promised for the day, expressing itself through you. The vindication of the great revelation of God only in the individual, never in a group. An individual. Now, I know we're having a banquet this weekend, and it's gonna get, the word's going to go out to the group. But as that word goes out and the seeds are scattered, falls down on individuals. What are you going to do with this Jesus called Christ? Whom do you say that I am? See, it's not your friends. It's not you and your friends. It's not you and your family. It's not you and your church. It's you and God. And once the opportunity has passed you, you can never get it back. So tonight, You'll never get this night back. There'll be other nights, but there will not be this night. And for some of you, you may be getting your last call. Some of you know you feel the tug of the Spirit moving. You feel it. You feel it. And it's impulsating. And the devil's saying, well, just wait a little longer. If so-and-so, if the altar fills up, then you can go. What about being so moved that you're the first one? What about being so compelled because of the opportunity that's being given to you? I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what they think about me. I don't care if they make rumors up. It doesn't matter. I got to get there. I got to get. This is my opportunity. This is my moment. This is my night. This is going to be my banquet. I'm not going to make an excuse of why I can't attend. Because when the call and the doors go open tomorrow night, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. But I'm going to be there and I'm going to be different. Because I'm going to want to be there, Brother Jonathan. I don't, I don't, well, you know, Brother Joe, I got a boyfriend. I got to go spend all night on the phone texting. He can wait. Matter of fact, invite him. FaceTime the whole meeting. Here you go, buddy. I'm going to church. Well, I got this. And you know what? I made a rash. I bought something on Facebook Marketplace, Brother Joe, and I really didn't think about it, but I paid the guy, so I got to go pick it up. Stupid. I'm just going to say stupid. If you don't buy nothing that you ain't done looked at, stupid. Don't make stupid decisions. That was free. That's off the record. I'm just trying to break. Don't make excuse of why we can't. He's compelling tonight. Come. Come. So it's got to be more than just being labeled a message believer. It's got to be more than just being a follower of William Branham's message. Though that is good. Because I believe this message lines right up with the word. I believe it's from the seventh angel. I believe it's anointed. I believe it's what we need to transition our bodies over to a new body and, and to change dimensions. I believe that. But it's got to be personal. See, this message is more than God sending a prophet. 
It's God's word becoming flesh. And the flesh heeding the opportunity to allow the spirit to tabernacle. Think about where I would be. I think about this a lot of times, Brother Joseph, as a ninth grader in high school. Where would I be now if I would have given my heart to the Lord then? Come on, come on. What scars would I not have today if I would have made that decision then? If I'd had a family, <coughs> if I had a family that cultivated the right atmosphere, if I had a church, I went to church, but the pastor didn't know my name. You got a pastor that only knows your name. He loves you. And he's given you a great opportunity tonight. See, he's coming. God is coming. He's not coming for tape players. He's not coming for books that's sitting on the shelf. He's coming for young people. He's coming for young people that have seized their opportunity. Now notice, you're at a crucial time. How many graduating this year? Nobody. Okay, well, we'll move on. You should have raised your hand. You graduated. You did? Wait, I can't see that. I'm kind of like those old people. Raise it in the air where you just, you know, you don't care, right? Yeah. I ain't shy about mine. Yeah, I got two hands. Praise God. I graduated. I made it. Some of you got plans. Now, here, this is going to tap home. How many of you got plans to get married? Oh, that's all y'all got? Y'all got to do better than that. Boys, y'all look away for a minute. No, y'all know y'all giddy about, I'm going to get married. You done got your wedding planned out since you were ninth grade or nine years old. Yeah, he's going to be tall, dark, and handsome. Speak five languages. No, he ain't. He's going to be short, bald, can't even speak English. You're going to have to teach him. But some of y'all are at that point of life. We got to start making decisions. Get married. I'm about to graduate school. I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. All these opportunities that are laying before you. But yet the greatest opportunity that lays before you tonight is to become a child of the king. Imagine settling that tonight. And you then you step into a relationship and you met God. It won't be keeping score. Well, you spend a hundred bucks, I'm gonna spend a hundred and fifty. And then y'all knock down drag out. Y'all know the number one? Come on, mom and daddy, y'all just laugh. I'm talking to your kids tonight. The number one argument starter in a family in a relationship is what? Money! Show me the money. No, you don't spend it. I'll show you the bank account. They used to have money. That's the number one argument starter. You take a good godly family. I don't care how godly they are. Man, that money ain't right. Things get a little bit squirrely. But just imagine if you wasn't a Christian. And you take that into a relationship. And the husband loses his job. You know, tall, dark, and handsome can't keep a job. Because he lazy. Shy from working. 
Mm, yeah, you better be looking away, girls. That man ain't got no gumption. You just do, do, do. Mm-hmm. You want to get married? You got a job? Nope. You studying? Nope. You got any investments? Nope. Got any properties? Nope. I'm just telling you. Blind eye. That joker don't need another look. Carry your own cute self on because we ain't looking at you. Till you done got you a job and become something. But you take that into a relationship. You take your carnal nature, that unconverted nature. Why do you think there's divorces? Why do you think there's struggles? Even in Mess's home, there's struggles. Because maybe one party hasn't surrendered all the way. Because maybe they wasn't given the opportunity that you're given tonight. Think about it. This opportunity to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. At a pivotal point in your life where things are about to change. You're no longer going to be an adolescent. You ain't going to have to worry about zits much longer. Y'all know, y'all know what zits are? Little red things that kind of pop up? Yeah. Brother Greg, you're way past zits, Sage, buddy. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that. Man, your face is going to clean up. Oh, yeah. You're going to look in that mirror and you may thank God it didn't break today. But you're going to get past that stage where you're, worried, you're not worried about what you look like. Because you get confident in yourself. But think about the opportunity to serve him tonight. The opportunity to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The opportunity to drive down that stake once and for all. I'm talking about driving so far down, hell can't even uproot that stake. Drive it down to the opportunity. So, Brother Joe, why did you decide to preach this sermon for tonight? Because I wanted to, I wanted to give you an opportunity before the rest of the meeting started. I wanted to give you an opportunity to start it out right. There will be time for jumping. There will be time for shouting. There will be time for the hallelujahs. There will be time, little Addie, for the party. But this is the night to make your decision. This is the night for your opportunity. Can I share something with you? I'm going to share and I'm not going to hold you very much longer. But I'm not going to cut you short either. Let me just share this with you. The Bible tells us in Matthew 13, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men... Have desired to see those things which you see. And have not seen. And to hear the things that you're hearing. And have not heard. See you're hearing things that Paul wished he would have heard. You're hearing things that Martin never heard. Arrhenius never heard. Have you ever heard of Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley would give up that fleet of Cadillac to sit right there. To have another opportunity. Grew up a Pentecostal boy. He would give everything for another opportunity to get his heart right. But he made his decision. 
Marilyn Monroe would give everything, forsake her fortune, forsake her fame for another opportunity to receive eternal life. And you're blessed. Because you're given that opportunity tonight to hear it. This is not just a call just to make you laugh. This is a call about eternal life. Your eternal destination. Brother Joseph made the statement that we're free moral agents. I'm not going to force you. The preachers are not going to force you. But if you feel that tug, you feel that tug because God's giving you an opportunity. So the great mystery that we have, and some of you have been wondering, the prophet of God will tell us that Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Christ is the mystery of God revealed, but the mystery of Christ is his bride. And that's the opportunity that is being given tonight is to be that bride, to be that special lady. See, she didn't choose Christ. Christ is choosing her. But she has to make the choice. Some of you young men, I know, I know we laugh at the girls that they want to get married, but you ain't want to be no bachelor all your life. Come on, some of y'all look at me and smile. Y'all like, man, Brother Joe, I'm too young. Look at me all young like, no, nah, man. But you, you don't, she don't come up to you and say, hey, bro, I'm going to marry you. Go ahead and get everything ready. No, it don't work that way. Brother David, how old are you? 22. You looking. Don't lie. Just, yeah. You looking, man. You like, hey, I'm 22. I'm, I'm going to be an old cow. Not an old maid, an old cow. Or not a cow. That's a female. You're going to be an old bull. Like, I got to hurry up and get this thing figured out. But she ain't running and falling at your feet. No, but you're looking out there for character. Who fits David Cushane's character? Who? Go to camp meeting, you're looking. Oh, you don't, hey. But you're looking. You're looking for character. And then you say, hey, you know, there's a way of approach, right? And you approach her right with dignity and class and out of respect for who she is as a child of God. But she's not choosing you. You go and you choose her. I know when, when I went to Even Light Tabernacle when I first went there, Brother Jonathan. Yeah, I have to honestly tell you, man, my wife, I saw her like, bing! <laughs> yep, I know what I'm going after. It didn't take me one service. But I was a newbie on the block. I come straight out of the world. It took time. It took time. And, but I will say this, as I allowed myself to be developed and seize the opportunities that came my way, I watched the character that she displayed. Because I looked at it and I said, is that who I want to live my life with? Because I, 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 I had chosen, I'm never going to get in a situation where I was going to have to be divorced. Because I grew up from a divorced home, we're in a divorced home, and it's tough on the kids. It's tough on the kids. The kids struggle more than the parents. I wasn't going to put my kids through that. So I looked at character. We just celebrated 21 happy years. Happy year. Did you hear that? Happy. 
there's not a day that I wake up that I'm like, man, I'm just going to kick her out of the bed. Why did I do this? This was stupid. No, I'm happy. I lay in the bed and I say, I'm the blessed man in the world. I get to lay in my bed with my wife and we happy, happy, happy. We happy. God is good to us. We are true to one another. I don't have to worry about her. She don't have to worry about me. Because why? We seized our own opportunities to serve the Lord. She had her experience separate from mine. My experience was not determined by her experience. And her experience was not determined by mine. Now I want to get somewhere with this as we start wrapping this up. I'm almost over time. But I want to bring this down. This is in the message, show us the Father, and let her suffice. He says, I was at a revival in a big Baptist church. This is in Memphis, Tennessee, not too far from here. So this kind of can hit home tonight. We'll start drawing this down. He goes, I was at a revival at a big Baptist church, and I was holding a meeting, and I felt led in an altar call that night to walk back to a young lady. And I'm just telling this, and I'm feeling moved right now. I feel the presence of God just drop down. I met her here not long ago, and I I walked back to her, and I said, Sister, I believe God is calling you. I believe God is calling you tonight. She said, Look at here, Reverend Branham. I know when God is calling. I said, Well, all right, sister. I've just done all that I could. She's a fine young lady of the city there and had a nice name and everything. And I, I started to walk, walking back again. And the Holy Spirit said, make that call again. Make that call again. And I made it again. I said, now, young lady, I said, I believe. She said, Reverend Branham, if I want somebody to talk to me about, about that like that, I'll get somebody that's got some sense about it. And not you. I said, very well, I've done all that I could. Remember, sister, if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you'll never be saved. And it was after the service, she met me at the door. She met me at the door. She said, listen, here, Mr. Branham. She said, I didn't appreciate you embarrassing me like that. Calling and pointing your finger at me. I said, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. I said, you know you're not right with God. She said, that's my business. I'm young. She said, I've got some life left. Or I got some life yet. I said, young lady, you may be grieving your Lord, the Lord from your heart the last time. She said, my father's a deacon at a church. Think about it. Look at the opportunity that she was given. Not just a preacher. Not just a preacher, but the Holy Spirit to call for her again. The Holy Spirit was coming after her. What an opportunity. My dad's a deacon. My dad's a preacher. My dad does this in the church. And he said, I said, if your father was a pastor in this church, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. The Holy Spirit's calling you. You better receive it. It might come a time where you want to, and you can't. She says, 
she made fun of me and stuck, you know, kind of stuck her little painted lips up and turned her head and, and sassed and walked away. And he said, now, he says, and I went outside the building that night and I stood by the door and a beautiful young lady, he says, by the roses over there blooming around the door and I never forget the wind was blowing, it was moonlight. She looked like an angel almost. Notice, she allowed her own beauty to have a, an influence of arrogance about her. That I'm beautiful. I'm young. I have time. But she was receiving an opportunity. She was receiving her last opportunity. She looked like an angel standing out there. And she was just, you know, 17, 18 years old. And she said, Reverend Branham, you embarrassed me in that church tonight. I'll never forget that. I said, yes, I know you'll never forget it. You won't forget it. And he said, about three to four years later, I passed through the same city, and I was going down the street, and I looked, and I was going down from the railroad yard, and I looked, a young lady passed by the street, her skirts hanging low. And I thought, wow, that can't be that girl. And I started walking on, and she looked back at me, and, and she just kept walking, and I just walked along right behind her. And the first thing you know, she waited for me to catch up. She said, hello, preacher, kind of slangy-like. She says, you know, she stopped here at a little place. She stopped there at a little place. She said, step in. She says, no, ma'am. Thank you. He said, well, won't you just step in my apartment right here in the red light district? Notice where she was and what she had become. Now she's in the red light district of Memphis, Tennessee, inviting a preacher into her apartment. She said, won't you have a smoke? She said, you know, I'm a Christian. Well, won't you have a drink? She pulled a bottle out. I said, shame on you. I'm a preacher. She said, wait just a minute. I'm going to, before I leave, I want to share, share something. She says, remember that night, preacher, that you told me God has given me my last call? I said, yeah. She said, it's the truth. She said, ah, she goes, and you're privileged to tell it anywhere you want to. No, she gave him permission to tell her testimony anywhere. She said, but I, she says, I'm lost forever. The reality from her own lips is that she's lost forever. She said, my heart has become so black till, here's her remark. He goes, I could see my own mother's soul fry like a pancake and laugh at it. That's the danger of rejecting Jesus. See, tomorrow, some other time, you get so hard and so callous, you won't nothing to do with it. But tonight is your opportunity. Tonight is your opportunity. See, right before each of you right now, you've got a grand opportunity that you can receive eternal life. Well, so, Brother Joe, I have. You have an opportunity tonight to take another step got an opportunity tonight to come to the banquet. To come to the banquet. I want the musicians to make their way back. If you would tonight. And I'm going to end here on this scripture. 2 Kings 13 and verse 14. What an opportunity. This beautiful young 17 year old girl has. But because she was young, because she was pretty, 
because she was beautiful and had the rest of her life to make her decision. She never received another invitation. That was her last call. That was her last opportunity at eternal life. And we look here in 2 Kings 13, verse 14. It says, Now Elijah, he had fallen sick, and his sickness whereof he died. <clears throat> and Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face. And he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elijah said unto him, Take a bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elijah put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it, and Elijah said, Shoot. And he shot, and he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Now take the arrows... And he took them and he said, the king of Israel, he said, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and he stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and he said, for thou should have had smitten five to six times. Then thou hadst smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. So back in the ancient customs, just start playing something. Draw me. Y'all know that song, Draw Me Lord. Just start playing that. I got a few more minutes. I'm bringing this down. I'm winding up. See, the arrow of God's deliverance. In the ancient custom, they would shoot an arrow or cast a spear into a country that they intended to invade. And as soon as Alexander the Great arrived on the coast of Iona, he threw a dart into the country of the Persians because he intended to invade. And tonight, Elijah the prophet has come down to Joash the king, young king. A mere 23 years old. And he said, open the windows, Joash. Open the windows and look eastward. And I want you to take a bow in your hand. And I'm going to put my hands on your hand. And we're going to pull that bow back and we're going to shoot. And he said, when he shot, he said, that's the arrow of God's deliverance. Deliverance from whatever it is that you have need of. Deliverance from Syria. And he said, now go and I want you to go and I want you to take the arrow and I want you to smite the ground. Notice the prophet never told him how many times to smite. He just said smite. You say, well, Brother Joe, I've had my experience. I've been to the altar and it seems like I keep coming. I keep coming. I keep coming. I say keep smiting. It's the arrow of God's deliverance. This young king had the opportunity to keep striking and keep striking and keep striking and keep striking. But he struck short. What am I telling you, young people? Don't strike short tonight. You've been given an opportunity. It's more than Elijah that's come tonight. It's the Holy Ghost that's here tonight. And he's here to put his hands upon your life and to draw back that that bow and, and shoot those arrows of the Holy Ghost out there. That you can be delivered from suicide. You can be delivered from depression. You can be delivered from pornography. You can be delivered tonight. But you got to keep striking. You got to keep striking. You can't give up. This is not the hour to give up. This is the hour to strike. This is the hour to strike. Your eternal destination is resting on your ability to strike tonight. Do you believe God? Do you believe this is your call? Do you believe this is your moment? Do you believe this is your hour? Oh, you may have come short, but you got an opportunity. You got an opportunity. 
Notice how the arrow of deliverance is the Holy Ghost. And he said the church tonight is striking short. It struck short of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It struck short of the deliverance from sin. Oh, he says, brother, you just got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It takes that old temper out of you. It puts on a dress and makes you act like a lady. It makes you quit your smoking, drinking, lying, stealing everything. Brother, when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it separates you. It delivers you from the things of the world. It makes you love God. It makes you go to church. It makes you worship Him. It makes you tell your neighbor about Him. It makes you, oh, hallelujah. It makes you live above sin. Oh, what am I telling you tonight? You that need the Holy Ghost, come to the altar and strike for it tonight. You that need deliverance, the altar is open. Come for it, strike for it. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your hour. God wants to deliver you entirely. He wants to take sin out of your life. He wants to uproot those things that's kept you bound. You young men struggling with pornography devils. You young women struggling with the same. This is the opportunity. This is the night. To settle it. Notice. The prophet's desire was to be totally delivered from Syria. And Syria represents the world. Totally delivered. The things that used to pull on you don't pull anymore. The things that used to hold you and keep you, they can't keep you anymore. Why? Because the chains have been broken off your life. Because you didn't just come, oh, oh, I went to Oklahoma. I went to, to, uh, to, to Louisiana camp. I plan on going to Ohio camp. I struck three times. Praise God, I went to three camps this year. I guess I've done it. No, no, church, I'm compelling you tonight. I'm compelling. There's a banquet that's being prepared. And I want you to know God has placed your name by a seat. But you got to make that eternal destination sure and steadfast. Tonight is your night. Some of you are receiving your last call. This is your moment. This is your time. Joe Asher, young king, failed in his opportunity, Brother Joseph. For total deliverance. He failed because, ah, well, maybe just a youth service. Maybe one's good enough. Now we got four. We got a weekend. But you don't have to wait till Sunday night. You don't have to wait till Sunday night. The arrow of deliverance was given to the church. Notice what he says about worldliness, unbelief, superstition, everything else has crept in. And brought worldliness into the church. Brought fusses into the church. Arguing different denominational barriers. I'm this way. I'm that way. He says what we are to do is pick up and strike for the glory of God. Mamas and daddies, it's time for you to strike for your kids. Oh, well, we're going to have a youth meeting. What about you striking for? What about us on our knees praying, God, deliver them. Lord, you know the pressure that they're under in this hour. Lord, we weren't under that pressure in our day. Lord, they got this pressure and that pressure. And the world's done woke up. And everything that they say and do, they're being, they're being pulled by this and pulled by that. Oh, God, may you get a hold of them in this youth meeting. May you compel them tonight, Father. Get a hold of that heart. 
Oh, it may be the last call tonight. But God, I'm sending forth your Holy Spirit. God, I'm sending forth the, the arrow of God's deliverance tonight. Go after my young person. Save them tonight. Deliver them tonight. Bow your heads, if you would, for me. So I bring this to a close. I'm going to bring it personal. Thank you for your patience tonight. Thank you for your time. But with your head bowed tonight, I just want to ask you, I want to give you an invitation. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe sin has shadowed your life. Maybe worldliness is all over you. And you're guilty. As guilty can be. It's all over you. But you're feeling that tug tonight. You're feeling that call tonight. You're feeling that pull. Yeah. <laughs>